0: the tnt shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member and we don't mean your aunt dolores You stink! the tnt shop has it all at tntradio.live tnt you're with jeremy Nell on
1: today's news talk radio tnt jim warfare at tntradio.live that's my email address thank you to everybody who sends me mails uh, special thank you to those who tell me where in the world they are sending those mails from as i always say it's it's my favorite part i love uh, i love knowing where people are listening from it's it's an incredible it really is an incredible thing this how technology has evolved i mean 20 years ago this this operation right now would have been so much more expensive than what it currently is i wouldn't have been able to be talking to you uh, wherever you are in the world i mean i've received mails from russia from latin america from uh, canada from well, Spain, uh, 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 Cayman Islands, people listen from all over the place. I'm very, very sad to say though, that I do receive mails from people uh, who listen from Australia. I'm trying very hard. I'm trying very hard to 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 stop anybody in Australia listening to my show. Uh, Sorry about that, Murray. (laughs) Jump into the live chat. I will uh, Actually, no, I think that's it. Let's go straight to my guest. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.
0: The TNT shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live.
1: Theodiacher, thank you for joining me in the trenches.
2: It's always a big privilege to engage with you on your platform.
1: Yes, it is well, the feeling is mutual. It's just so it's unfortunate that we're talking about such a dark topic on a friday um so i'm hoping we will we'll chat about uh some 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 positivity some hope um towards the end of this conversation but i mean we're going to be talking about farm murders and um it's one of those topics that the world sort of knows about but doesn't really care about why do you think That is, In fact, before we even get there, let's just quickly talk about your biography, because I keep forgetting a lot of people internationally don't know who you are.
2: Well, I'm a farmer uh, in the northernmost province of South Africa, and I farm with subtropical fruits, nuts and goats. And I'm very much involved in organized agriculture. I'm heading up the local family farmers network. I'm also the chairman of the Board of Agri All Africa. Um, representing about 4,400 farmers who are farming elsewhere in Africa. And uh, uh, until last year, I was the president of the World Farmers Organization.
1: Now, being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Uh, basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I?
2: Yes, Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, So it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average, every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked
1: up. Okay, so why why are farm murders different? I think there are three reasons why um,
2: you cannot argue that farm murders is a mere extension of. Uh, general problem with criminality which we have in South Africa. Um, There are even uh, communities such as the Cape Flats where there are per capita uh, more murders than that of farmers um, in the gang wars on the Cape Flats. But what makes farm murders um, radically different is that no one calls for the farm or for the murders on the Cape Flats. No one calls for the murders on on, on women and children in the deep rural areas. Whilst there are political parties who sing songs, who have these political chants, kill a farmer, kill a boer," people are being motivated to do so. We've seen um, political leaders who actually say that they are not calling for a genocide, well, at least not now, and to then uh, refuse to withdraw that, saying there might be a time when they will have to call for that. Um, And we've taken this matter to court, and we've not had any success in stopping that in our courts as yet. The second big difference is that murders in other sectors of society – are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Um, you will not find people's eyes being removed in the process, um, the murderers drilling holes through the kneecaps of a grandma. And then afterwards, you do not have that applause on social media, especially on Twitter or X or on Facebook, where um, there are calls for more of this. And and this is why we believe that farm attacks and farm murders is a, a, a kind of a special case. And that's why we are putting so much pressure on the South African government to do more to stop it.
1: Mm, uh, it was actually not too long ago when I played the clips of uh, Julius Malema at at that uh, rally um so that uh, everybody can can hear that this isn't isolated this isn't one or two politicians i mean what happened at that particular rally was when you're talking about almost 100,000 people singing kill the farmer kill the boer uh, and i mean in any in any sane society that would be considered extremely dangerous and even hate speech
2: Yes, and uh, as you know, we took the matter to the Human Rights Commission and they found that there's some cultural heritage to this song and that it does not necessarily constitute hate speech. Um, so so we took this matter to the highest court of appeal and we are still awaiting um, the judgment, although there's a very good chance that that case will be heard all over again because we only found out a day or two after this court case that one of the judges um, has already made statements um, which will will, will probably prejudice um, her attitude towards uh, this song as being hate speech. So so we have also asked uh, for a, a retrial. And I think one of the the, the reasons why people in Australia and Canada and Europe might um, not really be on top of how deep this crisis really goes is because it is seldom reported in the English media. Um, Yes, you'll read about it in the local newspapers, um, you, you for sure read about it in, in, in the agricultural magazines. Um, and and now and then you will read it in the national Afrikaans newspapers, but you will seldom read anything about it in the English media.
1: Why do you think that is?
2: I think it's about political correctness. You know, um, I happened to be in New York in a 2018, when our president um said at the, the General Assembly of the United Nations that uh, there, there are no farm murders in South Africa. Um, I was in the crowd. I was among some journalists um, taking pictures and shooting video clips of it. And um well I I had to, to, to object and say this this is really is not true. But I think it is about the political correctness uh, not singling out farmers and specifically white farmers. Um, and it is not only white farmers. We have seen horrible attacks also on um, Indian farmers, on um, coloured farmers, on a few black farmers. Over the last few weeks, we've had a number of attacks on, on farm workers because often these perpetrators have to get by the farm workers to get to the to the farm dwelling Mm.
1: yes uh, it is important to point out that um, all types of farmers are targeted but in south africa because of our own history the majority of our farmers are white and the majority of attackers are black and so as you say, political correctness. They don't necessarily want to point out that it's black on white crime because then it might appear racist, and so they don't want to do that.
2: You must remember, Jeremy, that the, um, it, it, it is not unique to to South Africa. Um, we we've seen something similar in Zimbabwe, not even remotely as as many and. Also, not the intensity of the attacks and the murders in South Africa, but then you had the land grabs and the violent um, uh, grabs of, of of farms. Most of those farmers were removed from the farms in one day. They did not really see it coming, um, and and this political ethos, the 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 climate. Um, that is being molded in the paradigm that the land was stolen somehow, and that that's a justification for violence against farmers. This is mm. pretty much the background of the violence we see on farms here in South Africa. But then also, farmers are much more vulnerable than other parts of society. They live far apart, they are far from the local police station, um, far from town. And uh, this makes them particularly vulnerable. Now, uh, a big part of the problem is that we have lost our social infrastructure, which safeguarded us against it. Until about 2004, 2006, we still had a very active uh, military reserve system. We called it the commandos. So uh, you were actually put in the service of the state when you went out on a civil patrol to safeguard the farms. You had had a, a, a firearm with you, which was issued by the military. All of us had military training. When I was young, it was compulsory. So it was very easy to organize these community safety structures. Today, we no longer had it, and, and also the police reserve is not functioning in South Africa. Hence, we kind of had to replace this function of the state of safeguarding the rural areas. And today, I cannot really think of a farming district where we do not have a farm watch, a comprehensive system where we call each other's on the radios every night and sometimes a a, a few times during the evening, early in the morning. We have early warning systems. We are running more than 17,000 camera systems in our country. We have special drone training in every district. We really have more capacity at the moment um, in in this civil structures than we have in the rural police. Um, Actually, the police very often um, contact us to use either our drone capacity or our artificial intelligence capacity um, to to find uh, mobile phone numbers, people who move through an area, um, to have access to our camera systems and those. So this have kind of forced us to um, to grow strong rural safety structures, and as a result, we we have kind of replaced. Some
1: of the core functions of the state. Mm. So, I mean, just for clarity, um, because a lot of people don't know, the the commandos were essentially highly trained, if you if you will, special task type type individuals who worked in conjunction with the police.
2: Yes, yes. You see, um, the system worked this way. You were. Um, You were compelled to to do two years' military training until about 1991. And after that, you had to do a few military camps every year. Stay for a month and every third year for three months. And after that war in the northern parts of Namibia, southern Angola, um, after that war ended, actually after the fall of the Berlin Wall, um, the system was continued through this commandos where wherever you lived on a farm or in a rural town, you would join the local commando, you would have compulsory firearm training twice a year, and then you would do this patrols with the local police station. And if something happened, if there was some incident, you actually considered to have been in the service of the state. Hence, your legal costs were covered. You were protected uh, as if you were being placed there in uniform by the state. And, and it is because that system had been abolished in 2004 to 2006 that we had to reorganize ourselves. Um, and we did that mostly through organized agriculture.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to chat you more about that after the break, Theo. But for now... Uh, My name is Jerm, this is TNT Radio.
0: You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about.
1: I think once we saw the supply chain
3: issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is gonna be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the wealth is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Sure.
0: Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing,
3: we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that.
0: Today's News Talk Radio.
3: I do a lot of streaming radio.
1: I do a lot of free streaming.
0: TNTRadio.live.
1: All right, Theo, how, how many um, farmers are there in South Africa?
2: More or less 2.2 million, of which 32 are farming, uh, are, are practicing it as a business. So we have more or less 32,000 commercial farmers um, and about nearly 2.2 million smallholders and they are in different categories. You have the pavement farmers, the peri-urban farmers, the communal farmers, the smallholders um, around the, 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 the cities and the bigger villages, um, and and they are mostly um, black and linked to the indigenous system or the tribal system.
1: Mm. just before the break we were talking about um the commander system and again i I need to emphasize being a farmer in south africa is very dangerous
2: oh yes oh yes um if if you look at the murder rate per capita it is by far the most dangerous profession um percentage-wise more farmers are being murdered than than people in uniform um, and 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 part of this problem is because of a failure in the uh, criminal justice system. You know, um, I just came from a, a small town about 400 kilometers north of Pretoria uh, last night. Where in 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 that town, for the course of this year, they have not finalized a single case in in the magistrates court every day there are between 12 and 20 cases being heard and being postponed but they've not finalized one single case this year sure so we we needed to set up a kind of an alternative to that too. Hence, our what we call the private prosecuting authority, where we have appointed some of the best legal minds in the criminal justice system. and And it costs us a lot of money. Farmers have to make a contribution all over the country to afford that. But they accompany these cases. And if government does not prosecute them, then we install private prosecution. And we've had... A lot of successes. Um, I have experienced it myself on my own farm where I caught some thieves in an avocado orchard. And it's not as if they steal a bag full of avos. They steal truckloads full of avocados in one night. (laughs) And you catch them and you take them to, to the police and they might be back on the farm before you. And if you get them to lock them up, the chances that they will be prosecuted and that they will finally end up in jail is very, very slim. To give you an idea, around 14% of farm murders led to a prosecution over the last year. And just less than 5% of them were sentenced Good heavens. So
1: there are major problems in our criminal justice system. Do you think, Theo, that there is that there is a, a deliberate attempt to dilute water down and to ignore the severity of farm murders by the South African government?
2: Yes, I do think so. If it was not, I think they would have um taken some action. Actions such as to, um, to simply implement uh, our agreement of 2012 on a, a, a rural safety strategy. And that entailed formalising the police reserves, taking up farmers and farm workers in the police reserve system. I think they would have compiled a committee uh interdepartmental committee where you can get the military the police the intelligence service um, the local municipalities to to cooperate to gather information Um, they would have probably put up a task force and send them out to what we call the flashpoints you know they are these mm-hmm. gangs operating in certain areas and everybody knows that this area over the last few months had been particularly vulnerable to farm attacks, such as the Milders Drift area, the Bonaport area, the Kalinan area, the Lesotho border area in the Eastern Free State. They would have thrown some resources at the problem.
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, Just to contextualize this a little bit, you know that my wife comes from the Pretoria East uh, side of South Africa and for those who don't know it's sort of more rural it's 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 a way out of the the, the main city so it's it's more countryside-ish and um and I wouldn't call her home um, a farm but it's certainly a small holding and you can obviously farm in it because it is fairly large now Theo What they do in the evenings is they will use two-way radios and talk to everybody in the region to see that they're okay. This isn't normal behavior for most countries.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's very normal for us. (laughs) I for many years, at least for the last 27 years since I started farming, every evening we would call Each other on the radio. Somebody Mm -hmm. whose job it is to call every individual, and then you need to answer. If you don't answer your radio, they will come out to see what's wrong. If
1: you're okay, Mm.
2: if you're okay, yeah. And then a little later, they will call again. And early in the morning, they will call again. And this is a kind of an early warning system. If if you touch the button on that radio and you call for help, the neighbors will mobilize and and every area has a specific uh, procedure. In my valley, the valley where I farm, I have a specific place to go. I have to cut off the street, the, the road on that point and make sure no one will pass um, without me knowing exactly who it is, being able to take a picture of it. Um, so so we can close, cordon off um, the whole area and contain the perpetrators in that area. Others will be mobilised to take dogs to the scene and start taking the track. Others is a, they they are part of a task force. Um, they will go into the farmyard and into the house and 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 clear it, make sure that the perpetrators are no longer around. Others will do tracking. We use helicopters. We use fixed wing air aircraft. We use drones, and uh, most of the arrests are being done through these farmers, we call it farm watches, the farmer structures. And of course we work very closely with private security companies and as mm. far as possible with a local police station.
1: I just wanna drive this point home because people, a lot of people just don't get it. When we talk about farm attacks or farm murders in South Africa, what is the nature of these attacks?
2: Most of them, at least eighty-five percent of them, are attacks on elderly uh, farmers, um, and usually they will be they, they will be a gang of between three and ten people who will cut the fence or go over a, a, a gate. Usually, they are well. Um, Aware of the the security infrastructure, they they will knock out cameras or the alarm system, um, and then they, they 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 will force entry into into the house. Um, the the last seven attacks here in 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 the Gauteng province, that's around Johannesburg, Pretoria, um, were all forced entries into a house where. Either elderly people or the farmer's wife and children were alone, and then they 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 will capture them, tie them up, torture them, get information as to where's the safe key, and they will take what is valuable. Often, they will not even take something. Quite often, they will simply um, beat them up. And then, kind of leave a message. Uh, you have seen the messages in blood yes. on walls. Kill yes, the kill
1: the farmer. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, so, so, so then it, the 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 um, the agenda cannot only be um, to rob or to steal. It's a political message. And hatred. And hatred. There is no oh. way that hatred cannot be the main driver once you have seen one of these crime scenes. Um, when I was president of the, the Provincial Agricultural Union in Limpopo, Agri Limpopo, during my term, I um, went to a lot of trouble to make sure that I, I visited each one of these uh, murder scenes. And anyone who wants to argue about the nature of these attacks. I I challenge them just to go to one of those murder scenes mm. and see for themselves what it's like to smell it,
1: to feel it, to see it. Yeah, and I mean, this happens almost every single day, doesn't it?
2: Well, as I say, at least every second day you have a farm attack and every fifth day on average over the last 25 years, every fifth day we had a, a farm murder.
1: And 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 that means the farmer or somebody in the farmer's family has been murdered.
2: Yes. Also, farm managers, guests um, on game ranches. It is often guests who are being targeted, um, or, or or workers. Um, you know, fa- farmers in South Africa and farm workers often come generations together. And uh, farm workers are very often the the, the the first point of contact. You have to pass the workers' compound to get to the farmyard. Um, over the last two months, we saw um, a number of attacks where livestock was stolen, and then the target, the primary target of the attack, is the the shepherd the and 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 the guy who walks behind the cattle.
1: it really is depressing and it almost feels like it's like it's a losing battle and theo the emails that i will invariably get will be something along the following why do you do it why do you stay
2: We have nowhere else to go. We don't want to go anywhere else. This is our country as much as it is everybody else's. I'm a... My ancestors might have come from Europe, but I'm I'm already a 10th generation South African farmer. Um, my, my ancestors came here in 1672. <laughs> There's no other home for me. And yeah. I firmly believe that we are going to get this country right again. You know, the the battle is not lost we are still in the heat of it, but the battle is not lost. We cannot just leave it for the criminals.
1: Another question that often comes up is why, Uh, why are these crimes so violent? And it's it's a rhetorical question because nobody really knows, but as you said earlier, it's potentially, um, a combination of politics and and hatred but mostly politics and I suspect that it's this there's some foreign interest in that Uh, it's being driven also with some perhaps international funding what do you think well the mere
2: fact that you have these political rallies where up to as you said a hundred thousand people gather and those are young people Mm. those are people with a world of expectations of the future, but no equipment to make their dreams come true. They are bound to be disappointed. They don't have jobs. There's no real growth in our economy. And now they they attend these rallies and, 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 and they hear that it is cool to attack a farm. And they take part in these chants and it's actually a kind of a rage. Kill a farmer, kill a boy. And then they mm. go out and they do it. And there's no way these politicians can walk away and say we have nothing to do with it. They create the climate for this to happen. And yeah. our courts have not yet drawn a, a, a line in the sand. We, our, our biggest effort and the the, the biggest expenditure on our budget as a farmer's organization is the legal costs to get the courts to say this should not be allowed.
1: Um, you know, I've been to your part of the world. Uh, you, your farm is very close to the Kruger National Park, and it, it is absolutely beautiful. That whole area, that whole region of the country is just stunning. And yet it has to get so tainted with with this. And it's not just farm murders. It's also theft, isn't it?
2: Oh, yes, yes. The, the theft of livestock, um, it runs into billions of rands every year. The theft of crops, fruits, grain, um, and it's not small time theft. These are big gangs who, who make big business out of theft. The theft of diesel and copper infrastructure on farms. It is impossible to farm like that. This is why we have these farm watches. And this is why it is so important for every farmer to actively take part in that. In other countries, it would have been the police or the military who do this job. Unfortunately in South Africa, too often when you when when you catch the perpetrators, you find that the police are involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's part of that web of corruption and it makes it so much harder.
2: Oh yes. And there's a lot of money in in in, in to be made in in, in bribing
1: um the police to turn a blind eye mm. now uh something that that you probably don't want to say out loud but we all know that because of the corruption and the ineptitude uh, um the ineptness of the of the of the government and the police when some of these criminals are caught on farms not necessarily by the farmers themselves but by farm workers etc they kind of get sorted out right there and then and and then they then they go to the police afterwards
2: must well, i say something about it
1: <laughs> yes yes you're you're, you're <laughs> welcome to you're welcome to be subtle if you want <laughs> you know um, too many i'm not saying it's right Uh-oh. so i'm not saying it's right but i'm saying it is done because of the failing system
2: too many f- for, for rural communities have lost faith either yeah. in the police or in the criminal justice system and when you have been through this process a few times and and you don't find justice you, know, mm. you cannot go on forever to try to catch them and take them to the police station and go through all the motions just to see the, the court releasing them again a judge once asked me, a year after we caught the the, the fruit thieves, "How do you know it's your avocados? Are your name <laughs> on it?" <laughs> and I said, "But I caught them in my orchards." I said, "Yes, but they say they just they got it somewhere else and they just moved through your farm <laughs> to their mm. destination." <laughs> now, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'll be back with you in a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio.
0: De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
4: A very interesting study has come out. The top 1% of wage earners in the world produce 99% of the emissions of CO2. Now, if CO2 were bad, that'd be a big problem, but it's not bad. But it's very interesting the way they came up with that, the number one producer of CO2 with 1.3 billion people is China. So the Chinese have to be consuming more CO2 than let's say the United States and they do five to 10 times more. But that's interesting though. Is this study saying that the average wage in China is higher than the average wage in the United States? I seriously doubt that. And the answer is not with CO2. It has to do with the system, the system of capitalism and freedom, which of course is being taken apart in the United States and other areas in the West, versus the Chinese system. Now we continue to see China thumbing its nose at the rest of the world as they have produced 137 coal plants in the last two years and continue to build them like mad. And yet they say, Oh, well, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. By 2050, I thought the world's ending within 10 years. What good is carbon neutral by 2050? They're not going to be carbon neutral anytime in anyone's lifetime and likely in anyone's lifetime that has not been born yet. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watch Dog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I want to eat. Eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat 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 apples and bananas?
3: Support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org.
0: Germ Warfare is Jeremy Now. On today's
1: News Talk Radio, TNT. Theo, just to compound the problems of farm attacks, we also have the South African government wanting to make it more difficult for farmers to export to Britain and Europe. Tell me more about that, because that was in the news recently.
2: Yes, in, in the Sunday papers for the, the, over the last two weeks, were dominated by, um, government's criteria for export licenses. So they they want to enforce black economic empowerment criteria. It, it basically means that if you want an export license, you need to take in a, a partner, a, a black partner. You need to have a certain percentage of ownership of the farm and the farming operation transferred to this partner you need to have a certain percentage of your management on every level um, to to be black appointees and also women appointees. And then you need to have a certain percentage of all your procurement uh, from black owned enterprises. Um, The problem is that they are not there You know, in in, in the rural parts of South Africa, you do not have uh, black-owned businesses who sell fertilizer or improved seeds or diesel or who can immediately come out to fix your your tractor or your your equipment. Um, And if you don't do that, you you cannot have your export license. Um, Now, more than 95% of South Africa's farming industry is still family farmer driven. You have these farming families and they come generations. Um, And our challenge to government is how, how do you apply black economic empowerment on a family farm? It's difficult enough for a father to farm with his sons or for brothers to farm in a partnership or for cousins to farm in a partnership, what to say a partner which you you did not choose or you did not want in in the business. Hence, um, we feel that this demand for black economic empowerment criteria to be applied on family farms is actually apartheid yes. um, in in reverse. The, it is the yeah. same principles on apartheid was founded. And, and 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 we are fighting it nails and teeth.
1: Yeah, just to just to drive that point home, and let's call it what it is. I mean, it's 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 essentially racism. The government doesn't want farms that are um white owned, and and when I say white owned, as you point out, it's generational. You know, you you get born on the farm and you grow up and you then take over from your father. The government doesn't like that, and it wants to give pretty much half of your farm to black ownership because it's political.
2: Yes, yes, and um, so far it has not worked. This concept of black economic empowerment led us to where we are today with a completely failed public health system. Mm. Look where ESCOM is, um, our, our national power utility until um, two, three decades ago, we were a world leader in the manufacturing of arms through Denel and Arms Corps. Uh, that completely went through the floor. Um, just see what happened to, to South African airways because of black economic empowerment, the way it was implemented. Um, we have a a strategic plan for agriculture in South Africa. They call it the master plan for agriculture, which my organization refuses to sign off because we say that the most important agenda in agriculture is profitability and sustainability and efficiency in the value chains. It is not transformation. Transformation comes after that. If you want to turn water into wine, you first need water first get this sector healthy, and then ask, how will we mainstream, uh, previously disadvantaged people in in the value chains?
1: Just uh, on that, um, I really do hope that, uh, Theo, you can uh, entice some farmers to turn water into wine. I'm a very big fan of wine. <laughs> <laughs> this is what every
2: wine farmer do, isn't it? <laughs> Um, water and sunshine and soils
1: (laughs) and uh and we have a lot of amazing wine here in south africa so obviously protecting farmers is it's 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 a no-brainer i mean it just really is a no-brainer so on that note where to you know
2: in, in in south africa we started to fix bottles as farmers we've Farmers have fixed more than two million bottles so far this year. <laughs> two <Not> million. Of <laughs> course, we want to render a service to society. It is cheaper to fix the roads than to buy new tires every week. We have started yeah. with own training facilities, simply because government has stopped doing so. So there is a lot of power that is being um, devolved to local level more and more communities take the power in their own hands and take the responsibility in their own hands to fill all the gaps which government is leaving. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Actually, even if we had a better government than the one we have now, I think it it remains a big asset to have Mm. well-organized community structures outside of the realm of politics No money can buy that. And the interaction between the church, the sports clubs, the school governing bodies, the farmers' organizations, all the organs of civil society. I think a real civilized society is that one in which communities don't really need the politicians, are not delivered to the politicians.
1: Has... Has there been a decline or an increase in farm attacks over the last two decades? No,
2: there was a gradual increase, um, and we we had a a kind of a decrease. Two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. You remember we had the soccer world cup in South Africa, and there was a different decreased during the, 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 the months just before um, the and during the World Cup. And then we had a gradual increase again. And over the last two, three years, um, certainly we, we managed to keep the numbers down because of better equipped farm watches. It is since we have started to employ digital technologies such as artificial intelligence, uh, smart cameras, uh, integrated systems. If a a vehicle has been spotted in an area where we had stock theft and that vehicle moves to the next province, we know it. Uh, We are being warned by the system. Mm
1: are you are you saying to me that you help uh, that you're hopeful?
2: Oh, yes. oh yes. Um you know, digital technologies also become less and less expensive, more readily available. And then the the most important source of hope for me is the fact that over the last at least five or six years, we have seen a new generation of farmers coming from the cities and moving on to the farms. And as uh, political restrictions um, on, on, on on that generation um, actually knocks them out of the civil service and out of the big corporates, they go back to the rural areas and they start farming again. And they have a different understanding of technology and of the integration mm-hmm. of systems. And they brought a lot of fresh air in, into the rural areas. Um, I'm also excited about the fact that it's, it is not only the farming community, in the case with the farming community, also the other occupiers of the rural spaces, such as the tribal authorities um, yeah. and, and, and the, the civic associations. You have much more interaction between those organs of civil society, especially in an effort to combat lawlessness and crime.
1: And here's something else that we haven't really touched on. And it is, for me, a positive point. Um, and my wife and I will often stay on farms when we go away for weekends or whatever. And I've spoken to a number of farm workers. And this is important because we often talk about just the farmers and their families. But I've spoken to a lot of farm workers over the years, and most of whom are black or or colored. And they are very protective of the farms on which they live. It's For them, it's their home. And they and they don't form part of that that farm attack group. I mean, they, that's also another another aspect of, of of you know being hopeful.
2: Oh yes, very often these farm worker families also come through generations on yeah. the farm, and if not on the farm, certainly in that community. And you know the the, the the profession of being a farm worker has evolved. You no longer recruit somebody from the street to drive a modern tractor. (laughs) You need a well-trained and experienced operator on a modern machine, Um, especially in the digital era. Um, And you can see the way farmers are trying to lure each other's workers uh, to their own farms. Uh, 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 An efficient farm worker today is a rare commodity.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, we're coming in for the last couple of minutes, Theo. Let's just uh, let's just end the week with 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 something really positive. Tell me a little bit about what you farm.
2: I'm doing subtropical fruits, avocados and macadamias. Um, so my market is an international market. Um, most of the macadamias from my farm um, is going to China. Um, some of it is being processed in South Africa, but the pro- in processed form, it then gets exported in any way. Now, you know, since COVID, and especially since the war in the Ukraine, our definition of food security yes. has changed. People are much more aware of um the scarcity of food or potential scarcity of food and the health aspects of food, um, which is a, a good thing for, for, for a change. People are no longer just stopping in front of a shelf in the shop and choose what the family will eat tonight. They are also engaging with the world behind the shelf yeah. um, in, in, in shops. And for us as farmers, that's a fresh breeze. Uh, In organized agriculture all over the world, you will find people now, uh, or or, or farmers organizations now trying to recruit the best communication officers they they can find to bring the message of the farmer to the consumer and to shorten the value chain between the farm gate and the consumer's plate.
1: And I just wanna, in closing, I wanna point out how beautiful our farms are. We, we, we talk a lot about farm attacks and the negativity and the darkness of it all, but we really do have some incredible, incredible, um, scenery. Our farms are amazing. Well-run. Um, my wife and I recently drove down from, uh, which, uh, for people who don't know, that's part of the Kalahari desert at the top of South Africa between Namibia and Botswana. And we drove from there all the way down to Cape town. And we drove through a large amount of massive, absolutely massive farms, you know, hours and hours of of gravel roads. And, you know, it's so uplifting to see how well run the farms are and it's really worth fighting for, Theo.
2: Oh, yes. (laughs) And there's something to say for life in the rural spaces. Um, we, We no longer just pray for young people to stay on the farms. We, we are out to recruit the brightest young minds to choose mm. farming as a career.
1: Yeah. All right, as we come in for landing quickly, Theo, um, how can I follow you or find out more about what's going on with South African farming?
2: Our website in our Family Farmers Network is SAI, S-A-A-I. SAI means sewing in Afrikaans. And in our context, a family farmer is not big or small or rich or poor or black or white or well-established or a newcomer. Or they can also follow me on Twitter or on, or, or on X, few D, Jago. Um, I'm also on Facebook.
4: <laughs> Jager. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Must I say Jager. <laughs> You think, uh, nobody n- nobody yeah. will know how to how to spell Yacha. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I said to Murray if I just if I said to Murray can you spell yaga I don't think Murray would know
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right Theo de Theodayaga Theo now I'm saying jo- jogger <laughs> Theodayaga thank you so much for joining me in the trenches and God bless you and your farming
2: thank you and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share your platform
1: it's always uh, my pleasure theo i will i will definitely visit you on your farm in the near future but for now thank you and have a great weekend and uh thank you Murray, for for helping me keep things going i don't know how much you actually did Murray, but but whatever you did <laughs> the show worked it ran so thank you for that it is of course friday and since we're talking about uh farming and wine i am going to have some wine this evening with with my wife i know i'm south african i know i'm biased but listen the truth is uh south africa's got the best wine in the world i've i've been to france <laughs> I've, I've tried french wine it's 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 okay. I think there's a lot of marketing around French wine. I think Australia, since Murray's in Australia, I will say that I have had Australian wine, and Australian wine isn't actually bad. I think I don't think Australian wine's quite as good as French wine, but I don't think French wine is quite as good as South African wine. <laughs> All right, send me an email, Jim Warfare at TNTRadio.live. I'll catch you Monday. Thank you for listening. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare. The Battle of Ideas.